that, that the Word of God is, is, is not a book of stories uh, or fairy tales, but they literally are supernatural uh, endowed revelation for mankind so that mankind can live better as a result of knowing the Word of God. And so we've been, we've been sharing with you just, just the importance of the Word. And uh, I think it was two, maybe three weeks ago when Pastor Sean first started teaching this, uh, we had a lot of people who, who came and they were honest and they said to us, you know, I never really thought about the fact that the Bible was supposed to be used to empower me to actually be better on my job, to actually be better uh, where my marriage is concerned, to actually help me to raise my kids or to control my attitude. But how many of you know that the Word of God was written so that mankind could be successful in every endeavor of his life? And if you don't know that, that's revelation for you. You need to know that. So make this confession. Say, I believe, I believe that, the God that the Word of God is designed, is designed to, impact to impact my everyday, my everyday life. life. So when we're teaching, we're not teaching you stories. We're teaching you, number one, about who you are, and number two, how you can use the Word of God so that you can become the very thing you read about. Amen? Amen. And so I want to just jump right into the Word of God. We're going to talk about this morning. If you're, if you're one of those people who take notes and you take titles down, uh, this message is entitled, The Faith of God. And so I'm going to say some things this morning that will challenge you uh, where your thinking is concerned. But just because something challenges you where your thinking is concerned doesn't mean it's wrong. Amen? Uh, we, we, people were challenging their thinking uh, with the idea that the world was flat. But how many of you know that, that, that all of us now understand the world's not flat? Amen? But that was a, that was a truly held belief uh, at one point in time. There was one point in time where people thought there's no way man can leave the planet and go to the moon. But how many know somebody thought it could be done and then proved everybody else wrong and now we all kind of believe that it can be done? There are people who don't believe that the word of God can change your situation. But you are looking at a person whose marriage was tore up, whose finances was jacked up, who would had no self-control. But the word of God changed that. And because the Word of God changed that, you now have revelation to see that if the Word of God can change this joker's life, the Word of God can change your life. Yes. Amen? And so you may think, well, I don't know how all this is going to work. I don't believe this. I've been in church all my life. But just because you've been in church all your life doesn't mean the Word's been in you all your life. Amen? Yes. And so it's extremely important that you grab hold to this today and you don't discard it just because it may be something new. Because I'm going to say some things that's going to challenge you where your humanity stands. Because I don't want to preach to your humanity. I want to preach to your spirit man. Because if I can convince your spirit man that he's more powerful than your soul, I can train you to get your soul to line up with your spirit. And whenever a spirit and a soul lines up, the body has to follow. Amen? The body just has to follow. So let's go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We're going to start at verse number 11. And we'll read a few of these verses. I, I think they may have them on the screen. If not, grab your Bible, your cell phone, your iPad, whatever you, whatever you use uh, to, to access the Word, you do that this morning. Mark chapter 11, and we're talking about the faith of God. So Mark chapter 11, verse 11. And here's what it says. It says, And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple, and when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eve tide was come, he went out unto Bethany with his 12 disciples. Verse 12 says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. It says, And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he and his disciples came, as happily they might find something to eat thereon. 
And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet come. In other words, Jesus and his disciples were traveling. They saw a fig tree. It was the time of year that figs should have been on the tree. But when they got to the tree, the tree had no figs on it. Verse 14 says, And Jesus answered and said unto the tree, No man shall eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. The Bible says, and, notice this, his disciples heard it. So his disciples are natural men. They're men walking with Jesus, and they're following him. Jesus comes to this fig tree, and Jesus sees a fig tree that has no figs on it, and he curses the fig tree. Now, I didn't say he cussed it. I said he cursed it, okay? The word curse means empowered to fail. In other words, what he says is, hey, because you're not producing, because you're not doing what you should, he says no man is going to eat from you anymore. The Bible says the disciples heard it. We're going to skip through a few verses because what you're going to find is they kept on going on a journey, and then in the next few verses they were on their way back. And so then the Bible says here uh, in verse number uh, 19, we'll go to verse number 19. It says, when Eve was come, he went out of the city. It says, and in the morning, as they passed by, so they're going back by this fig tree, they saw the fig tree, and notice this, it was dried up from its roots. And the disciples, the ones who had been following Jesus, the ones who had been with Jesus, the ones who had seen Jesus do all of these awesome things, the Bible says they were astonished. One translation says they were surprised out of measure. And Peter yelled out and said, remembering, said this, he said, Master, or Jesus, or Rabbi, he says, Behold, the fig tree which you cursed is now withered away. And I love verse 20. Verse 20 says, And Jesus answering said unto them, watch this, Have faith in God. Now, Pastor Sean alluded to this uh, on last week. When, when, when Jesus said to his disciples, Have faith in God, he wasn't telling them to believe that there was a God. They, they, were, they, were, they were students of the word. Uh, what you have to understand about Jesus' disciples is during that time, all young Jewish men went to the synagogue to see whether they were going to be able to be qualified to be good rabbis or not. Uh, so these men were older men who, did, if you want to say, washed out of that profession and went on to become something else. They were fishermen, they were doctors, they were lawyers, whatever. So when, when they meet up with Jesus, Jesus is this teacher. They're following him, so they have an understanding of God. So he never would have said to them, believe that there is a God. What he says to them, literally translated when he says, have faith in God, he says to them, which is what Pastor Sean said to you on last week, have the God kind of faith. And if you remember, she took the time and she walked us through Genesis and she told us what the God kind of faith is. We did a, an illustration of it on last week, but I want to remind you, and then for those of you who weren't here, I want, I want to share it with you. She said that the God kind of faith is the kind of faith that sees a situation. The situation is not like it's supposed to be. They use their words to say what the situation is supposed to be and then see that situation change into what they just said. And that's what he did in Genesis. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, it says that he looked out and he saw the world was avoided without form. And he said, let there be what? Life. Now, I went back this week and I studied something, and I may mention it later, but I'm going to mention it right now. I went back and studied something, and, and let's just go to it. I, I, I won't stick with my notes. Go to Genesis chapter 1. I want you to look, and I think it's verse 3. And, 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 and here's the thing. This is why we told you on last week, you've got to study the Word. Uh, it's great you come to church. It's great you hear us preach. It's great you listen to the notes. I mean, you look at the notes that, that, that are shared on the website or on Facebook or whatever. But sometimes you just got to dig into the Word for yourself. 
Now, I'm going to show you something this morning that I didn't realize. I guess I just never noticed it quite like that. But I want to show you how faith works. I want to energize you before we ever get started. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Here's what it says. Then God said what? Let there be what? And there was what? Now, if you read that, now, okay, so let's go to verse 4. Let's just walk through this. Go to verse 4. It says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, right? Next verse. It says, God called the light what? And the darkness he called what? And there was what? Evening, and there was? And it was what? Say first day. First day, first day. It says, and God said, let there be a dome in the midst uh, of, of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. Keep going. Uh, verse 7, verse 8, keep going. He called the days, keep going. The second day is verse 8, keep going. Verse 9, uh, then we get to verse 10, keep going. Now, when I watch this, verse 11, he said, let the earth put forth vegetation. He keeps going, keeps going, keep going, keep going. Another day happens. What, what, where are we at? Okay, okay. Now, watch this. Fourth day, right? And God said what? Keep going. Keep going. Now watch this. But what did he do before the first day? He said, let there be what? So light showed up before there was ever a source for light. Because if you read your Bible, it talks about the sun and the stars and the moon not being created to the fourth day. Okay, all right, all right, hold on, because you got to get this. God saw the earth and didn't like what he saw. He didn't wait for resources to show up. When I read that this week, it changed my whole perspective. Now, you got to go back and read this. The Bible says, he said, let there be what? And there was, and he saw it and it was, but he didn't create the source for it to the fourth day. So you're waiting on resources for God to do something for you, but God is never limited by your resources. If God says something, he doesn't need to wait for something natural to show up to make it come to pass in your life. Faith says that whatever God says, that's what it's going to be. And so when I read that this week, it really challenged me because so many times we're saying we're believing God, but we're really not believing God. We're hoping and we're wishing and we're praying because what we're saying is I believe God. And as soon as the resource shows up, then I'm going to go do it. But God said, no, no, no. I don't like the way the earth looked. This is not how I designed it. So he said immediately, let there be what? Light. And where did light come from? We don't know. But he showed up. How, 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 where is this healing going to come from? I don't know, but guess what? It'll show up. How is Miss Mary's going to be restored? I don't know, but guess what? It'll be restored. How are we going to buy this house? They done told us no 15 times. I don't know, but guess what? If God sends it yours, it will. It'll show up. 
And so you got to understand that when we begin to talk about faith, I'm going to challenge you on some things. I'm going to say to you, because you're going to tell me you believe in God for something, I'm going to tell you that you keep believing for resources. Believe, tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Believing for resources and believing God is not the same thing. If you're going to be a person who's going to walk in faith, you got to learn to just trust the word of God. If God says something to you, we got to stop the questioning of how. See, the earth didn't say, well, you hadn't created the stars yet. The earth didn't say, well, there's no sun. What's the source of light going to be? If you really think about that, you have to ask yourself, where did the light come from? Because he, didn't cre he created light, and it was four days later. He created other things. And four the fourth day, he realized, oh, yeah, I need a source for this. <laughs> so on the fourth day, he says, because they had a different translation up here. But if you got the King James translation or another translation, it'll say he created the stars, he created the sun, he created the moon. And that's the way he gave. The, but notice, before he ever did that, he already established night and day. See, for us, we're always trying to work linear. We're trying to say, I got to do this first, this next, this next, and this next. And sometimes God just wants you to just jump everything else and just grab hold to what he said. God, God, God says to you, you're healed. He doesn't want you to figure out how many days you got to take the medication, how long you got to go back for a checkup, how you got to do it before you. He wants you to just say, you know what, I receive it by faith. I grab hold to it. Somebody says, well, pastor, that's so hard. Any saved folk in here this morning? Any yeah. saved folk? Raise your, if you're saved, you ought to be proud. Raise your hand. Yeah. I want to show you how much faith you got. You are saved, right? You are born-again believers. Some of y'all baptized in fire, speaking tongues when the Holy Ghost gives you utterance. I mean, you just, you just all of it, okay? But watch this. You, you, you have so much faith that you believe that a God you never saw produced a son you never saw who came to earth and died for sins that you've never seen, that he went to a pit to a, where a devil was you've never seen, he resurrected, and he's going to come back for you. Oh, yeah, and he was born of a virgin. <laughs> now, people say, well, pastor, that's not funny. It's what you believe. Now, that's what faith looks like. Faith says, I believe even when I can't see. I believe even when it doesn't make sense to my natural senses. Because you're going to tell me that as educated as you are, you're believing on a man to come back and get you and he was born of a virgin? Oh, I ain't trying to get you to. I, I believe that. I believe that. See, some of y'all right now, y'all like, no, wait a minute. Well, not, now that I think about it, now that I think about it, maybe I should leave. <laughs> no. Faith says absolutely. When you ask me that question, that's absolutely what I believe. Unequipped. Well, what's your proof? He said it and I believed it. That's the proof. That's the, well, how do you know you're healed? He said it, and I believe it. How do you know you're going to have high self-esteem? Because he said I was wonderful, and I believe it. How do you know that that marriage is going to be restored? Because he said it, and what? I believe it. Now, watch this. If, you, if he says it, and you don't believe it, then you stop it from working. That's how powerful your faith is. That's why when we teach you word, we want you to understand that faith plays such a critical role because in faith is how we get to agree with God. And when you get to agree with God, that's how you please God. That's the reason Pastor Sean took us to Hebrews 11 and 6 on last week. So let's go there. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says this, that without faith, what? It is impossible to do what? Because in order to please God, what do you have to do? You have to believe that he, he is God, number one, and what? That he is a of them that do what? That don't mean we look for him casually. You ever lost your keys in the morning? You got to be at work at a certain time. You got a big meeting. You is you don't you could have made your bed. I've done it. I've made the bed. Got up. Can't find my key. You throwing covers back, pillows off. You you don't care what that room looked like. Cause what are you doing? You are diligently seeking. You don't watch this. You don't look for your keys for two minutes and then go. Oh well, can't make the meeting. No, no, no. You, is, you, is, you calling your spouse. Hey, you got your mother set of keys. I mean, you, you hollering at the kids. Y'all been paying my keys. You know your kids ain't had your keys. But you're diligently seeking. You're turning up every stone to find those keys. That's what diligently looks like. Diligently, diligently searching for God is not saying, well, God, if you want me to get a job, then you just give it to me. That's not diligent. Diligent is actually applying for the job. And then once you apply for it, you believe, okay, God, I believe for the interview. And I know that when you give me an interview, you're going to give me favor. And whoever the hiring manager is, even if they want to hire somebody else, you're going to talk to them, they're going to give me the job. I believe I receive, and I thank you for it. And then you begin to, you be, it, it, you, something on the inside of you happens. When, when you really believe something, you, you, you feel so different about it. It's a funny story, but when I proposed uh, to my wife, she wasn't surprised. Okay? You know, I see those things on Facebook all the time, and people are like, oh, my God, I'm so surprised. Oh, my God, he proposed to me. Well, y'all went and picked out the ring together. I mean, I don't understand why that's okay. I mean, you chose it. You was there when y'all filled out the loan application for it. I mean, okay. My wife wasn't surprised. Why was she not surprised? Because we had talked about what she was going to say if I asked. I wasn't in faith. I didn't have faith. Faith says, I ask, and I believe she's going to say yes. I said to her, if I give you this ring, what you going to say? She said, if you give me a ring the right size, I will say. <laughs> so we had a meeting of the mind, and it was a mutual condition, so we got engaged. That's how some of y'all are doing with God. You're like, well, God, if you do this, then I'll believe you for this. God says it doesn't work that way. God says, I'm telling you that on everything I got, you can trust me. I, I, believe, I, I believe if Jesus was here, Jesus would be like, I put that on everything I love. <laughs> on my mama, I'm going to bless you. <laughs> Why? Because he wants us to understand that if I say it, you can believe it. Amen? That's what faith does. Faith Faith, when we're in faith, it builds up this relationship where you are almost go off on somebody for telling you God won't do something. You ever got a real good relationship and somebody try to try on the slide, try to talk about your friend or, or talk about somebody you're really close with and you throw them so much shade? That's how it ought to be when the devil try to talk to you about what God won't do for you. You ought to throw him so much shade. Be like, I don't know who you're talking about, but the father has shown up a lot of times for me. Now, you can't talk to me about the Father because the Father been with me when wasn't nobody with me. Why? Because, you, because faith builds that relationship, amen? Faith is what brings the things that God has provided for us from this spiritual realm into a natural realm. 
And I'm not trying to sound spooky, but you need to get this. I don't care how educated you are. There are two realms that are in operation right now. If you could peel back this world that you think is so real, you would see that there is a spiritual world. And in that spiritual world, there is good and there is bad. There is bad who wants to see you fail. There is good who wants to see you succeed. And that's just reality. The Bible tells us that we can look into the natural world to get a glimpse of what happens in the spiritual world. Where is there good in the natural world? Yes. Is there evil in the natural world? Yes. So then that's your indication that in the spiritual realm, it's the same thing. Faith is the thing that attaches you in the spiritual realm with the good. It's the thing that wants to see you succeed. It's the thing that wants to see you prosper. It's the thing that wants to see you healthy. It's the thing that wants to see you happy. But if you keep agreeing with the negative part, it keeps pulling you back further and further from the good. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I don't know about you. Say, but I refuse to be a partner with the devil. I'm not going to partner with the devil for my own demise. If I, know you got it, if I know you got it in for me, why am I going to be on your team? But unwittingly, we don't realize that, so we use our words to undermine our faith. God promised us something, and because we look at God through our own human eyes, we limit the whole, the Bible says you limit the Holy One of Israel. You limit the God of Israel because you're basically saying, if I can't do it, he can't do it. Now, Pastor Sean said this last week. Raise your hand. Any of y'all ever made a mistake? Okay? And if you didn't, then you come up here after church and I'll pray for you because you're lying. <laughs> you have made a mistake. God has never made one. No, no, no. I said God has never made one. Amen, somebody. Amen. God has never made a mistake. And so because God has never made a mistake, if I got to go on somebody's side, even if it's, even if it's against myself, I'm going to go with God. Because God is the one who's never made a mistake. And so faith is this thing that connects me to God. It's the thing that lets me know that even if I can't see it happening, God has my back. Amen? Amen. The Bible says it like this in Hebrews 11 and 1. Let's go to Hebrews 11 and 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Or another way it says it, it says faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Faith is my confidence that what I'm hoping for will actually happen. There were a whole lot of people. Now, just, now just, just follow me on this. It was a whole lot of people who hoped to have won that huge lottery the other week. Watch this. They even had action. Because what did they do? They bought tickets. But the reality was is that when they told them that they had a 1 in 175 million chance of winning, they was just hoping. They weren't in faith about winning. They were, most people was like, well, I might well take a chance because you never know. That ain't faith. That ain't faith. And that's how we do sometimes. We're like, well, I might as well apply for the job. You never know. They might get crazy and actually hire me. That's not faith. Faith says that if it's my job, all the devils in hell can't stop me from getting it. Yes. The, the, faith says that not only can it not stop me, but my posture change when I go to apply for it. In other words, faith, if, if the Lord tells me I'm healed on, on Monday and I'm supposed to go to the doctor on Wednesday, my expectation is that whatever report he had prepared before just got changed. That's right. That's 
Oh, see, 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 see. That's how you know that people still struggle with faith. Because they're like, wait a minute, if the doctor say you sick, then that means you must be sick. Let me tell you, we have had people who have come to our church who had spinal meningitis, and the doctor told them they weren't going to live, and we were crazy enough not to believe a doctor's report. Got in a circle and prayed for them. Went back to the, they went back to the doctor. The doctor said, I don't know how this happened. I know how it happened because somebody had the audacity to believe God over a report. I'm not telling you that you don't go to doctors. I'm not telling you don't get expert advice. What I'm telling you is that the expert advice should never supersede what God said. If I get sick and I need to go to the hospital and I pray and the Lord says you need to have the surgery, I'm having the surgery. But if the Lord says don't you let them cut on you, I'm willing to die and go see him before I am to to disobey him. Because my faith says that if I'm not willing to stand on my faith, I don't have anything else. The Bible says that if you're in this world without faith, you're in this world without hope. Wow. I, re- I can remember it was, our f- it was our first son when Chase was being born. And, 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 and Pastor Sean may have shared this story in some other places. But, but Chase was being born and the umbilical cord had got wrapped around his neck. You know, and, and at the time it was our first child, so I didn't really know all that stuff. And they put me out the room, and they, and they got to doing all this stuff, and they started putting these little electrodes down in his head trying to, to, to figure out whether he was going to make it. And the only thing I know that the Lord said is, don't panic. He ain't going to die. That's all I knew. And all I could do while I was outside that room is just say, Lord, don't let my baby die. He said, don't you ask me that one more time. I already told you Chase ain't going to die. And so I just started saying, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. And when I heard that little joker cry, I'm telling you, it fortified my faith. Everybody has something in their life that you thought the end was going to come. And God told you it wouldn't. And the problem is is that we don't rehearse those things enough. And so then we forget about what God did for us. But everybody in this room got something. It may not be something you want to share, but you got something. Some of the stuff was like this, and I don't mean to be, it was like, Lord, if she just ain't pregnant this time. <laughs> Lord, just don't let them shoot up in here this time. I've been someplace where I said, Lord, if you just let me get out that door, I won't ever come back to this club no more. Some of us have been in those places. Why? You needed your faith to work. And what God keeps saying is he says, listen, I provided for you so that your faith will always work. Amen. He says, faith is our confidence that what we uh, hope for will actually happen. Another way to say it is faith gives us an assurance, a certainty that we cannot, what we cannot see exists. How many of you know that when you buy a house and you pay the house off, they give you something called a title deed? It's the deed to your house. You can take that deed to, that, to your house to a financial institution, and they will say, this is worth X amount of dollars, even though it's just a piece of paper. That's what your faith does. Your faith buys for you what you can't see. Your faith purchases for you what you can't see. Your faith is your title deed to whatever God has said belongs to you. My faith entitles me to good health. It, it does. It, it enti- you know, pe- you know they're t- they talking about, you know, and, you know the heart, uh, heart attacks and, and, and diabetes, and we call it sugar in other places, and all, <laughs> all these different things and, and, and people suffer from. Listen, you have a right to command your body to be healthy. Now, now you, what you don't get to do is violate natural laws, though. 
Okay, you can't eat a bucket of a bucket of salt a day. And talk about you ain't got high blood pressure. No, you got high blood pressure. Yeah, you got it because you can't buy it. But if you have high blood pressure, and the Lord will heal you of it, but you've got a partnership with him too. That means there's some things you can't be doing no more. Somebody shout genetics. That means somebody can eat something you can't eat. That's what it means. That's what, that means that I can eat all the sugar I want, and maybe I don't gain no weight, and you eat a Snicker bar and blow up. I don't know. Maybe that's what it means. And if it does, then you have to understand that, and you have to get in faith for what it is that you can't eat that doesn't cause that to happen to you. So you're going to say, I am a person of faith. Say it again. Say, I am a person of faith. And as a person of faith, the Bible says you are victorious. Let's go to 1 John 5 and 4. 1 John 5 and 4. 1 John 5, 4 tells us that faith is our victory or faith is the thing that causes us to overcome the world. It says, for whatsoever is born of God. And how many of you said you were saved in here? Amen. That means you're born of God. It says, then you overcome what? The world. What world? Everything that involves you. Everything. Anything that impacts you. The Bible says your faith gives you the victory that overcometh the world. It says the thing that causes us to overcome, it is our faith. Our faith causes us to overcome. Pastor Sean posted this morning on Facebook, and it was a wonderful status, and if you haven't seen it, maybe you'll go and look at it. But she talks about the fact that once people get born again, the thing they need to spend most time on is understanding what faith is. See, once you get born again, you don't really ever, for, the, for your own personal benefit, you don't need to hear another salvation message. I mean, if you're already saved and somebody's preaching about being saved, you're kind of like, right? But all of us have issues in our life where we can develop our faith. And I talk about developing our faith because I'm going to show you here in just a moment that the thing we should never, ever ask God to do again is to give us more faith. What? Yeah. Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor. You don't need, you don't need more, faith. more faith. Can I show you how that looks? Uh, let me see your phone for a second. If I have this phone and I say, Kristen, here's this phone, okay? She has the phone. If she then says to me, Pastor, can I have the phone? I'm just going to look at her. Because why? So you're standing there asking God for more faith and he like, you already got faith. How, how, do, how do I say, so well, I don't have enough faith. You had enough to get saved? You had all the faith. You had enough faith to get saved, to believe in a virgin birth, to believe in a God you can't see, a Jesus you can't see, and believe he comes. You have faith. The issue is, is that your soul is telling you that you need something more than what you already have. That's why the Bible says, that's why we, we have to understand the, the battlefield of the, 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 the battleground that we fight is really in our minds. It takes the same faith to get healed as it does to get saved. It takes the same faith to get saved as it does to get a new job. It takes the same faith to get a new job as it does to restore relationship. It, say same faith. Say it again. Say same faith. So what we have to understand is that this 
faith that God gave us, he didn't give us a, 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 different, a, a different amount of faith. I'm skipping all over my notes, but let me, let me help you. He, if, if, if you all got in a line, okay, and I had a big old thing of soup up here, okay, and every time somebody passed by, I took the ladle and I got a thing of soup and I gave it to each person, okay? As we, if, I, if I'm scooping the same way and I'm giving each person the same way and everybody bowl, everybody's uh, uh, cup is the same or bowl is the same, the thing I'm using is called the measure. Okay, the ladle is the measure. However many ounces is inside of that particular ladle, that's the measure in which I'm meeting you with. So the Bible says every man has been given the, not a, the measure of faith. So whatever God gave Jesus, God knew that Jesus was going to need faith. So he used a ladle, and he scooped it up, and he gave it to Jesus. He didn't use a different ladle when he gave you faith. The measure of faith that he's talking about is the same measure that he gave to Jesus. He says, so you have been, he says, every man has been given the measure of faith. That's why we, see, watch this. We trip over ourselves when Jesus says, greater works shall you do than I did because I'm going back to the Father. We're like, well, he couldn't have really meant that. I mean, Jesus healed the sick. Jesus raised the dead. I mean, Jesus was a bad man. Surely we can't do what Jesus did, not in our own human limitations. But Jesus didn't do things out of his human limitations. So, so, so you're right. If you compare your human limitation to Jesus' supernatural endowment of the measure of faith, you would never measure up. But if you embrace this concept, this idea that you have been given the measure of faith, there is nothing you can't do that Jesus didn't do. Ooh, we're going to tell on Pastor Edwin. That's heresy. No, it's not. If you read your word, you'll find out that's exactly what he said. What I'm telling you is exactly what he said. What happens is we have put our human understanding in it rather than just accepting God's word for what it is. God says in his word, you're going to be able to do more than I've done. But he never meant that in terms of you're being able to be your human self. You've been able to be your natural self. The problem is, is that we are always looking to ourselves based on our human limitations. See, here, here's the kind of faith most people, most people operate in. When you came in here this morning, y'all came in and you sat down in that chair, okay? Did, and be honest with me, raise your hand if you did this. Did anybody test that chair before you sat in it? You didn't. You didn't. You know why? Because you had human faith. Human faith says if a chair has four legs, and, 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 it, and, it, and it doesn't look wobbly, and it held me last week, then my face says it's going to do what? But what if I took a chair and cut the right back leg off of it? And not me, but the Lord told you to sit in that chair. And all of us was watching. Katie says she'll still do it. 
Now, now you got to be honest. I, I ain't asking you to raise your hand. I ain't asking, no, don't look at your neighbor. <laughs> but how many of you can be honest and say, I ain't sitting in no chair with no three legs? Because I ain't finna fall down in front of everybody had them laughing at me. Because we live our lives based on human faith. Now, if God told you to sit in a three-legged chair, don't you know God can support you in a three-legged chair? If God told you to sit in a chair with no legs, God could support you. But the problem is we don't interact with God based on that. We interact with God based on what we can do with our human reasoning. Human reasoning is the reason you live at the level you currently live at. I don't care how good you think you live. I don't care how I don't care. I, I know you grew up in a, in a two-room house and now you got 12 rooms. But watch this. God still has more for you. You, you live at the level you live at currently because you, myself included, has not really jumped in this thing with both feet and both hands and said, I'm just, I'm just going to believe God. How do I know? Because God tells us to do things all the time, and what do we do? We rationalize why that makes sense. We, we debate about whether, that, whether we should do that or not, whether that makes sense. But you've got to understand that when God tells us to do something, God already knows how he's going to make it succeed. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. Say, God, God already, knows already knows the outcome. The outcome. He already knows. And how many of you know that if God is for you, then God's not going to ever take you to do something that's going to set you back? Come on. I mean, it don't happen this way. But, but if God was going to play a trick on us, it'd be through salvation. That'd be, that'd be the trick. It'd be through salvation. Because what would happen is he'd go, aha, you believe me, but now it ain't real. He doesn't do that. When God says something, it's true. You can believe it. You can take it to the bank. That's what faith does. Amen? Here's the problem. We don't spend a lot of time reading the manual. The Bible is our manual. Who in here got a new, uh, a new something? You got like a new, the iPhone 6, or, or you get the iPhone. Anybody got the iPhone 6? Yeah, I know y'all got Andrew got one. Chris got one. Anybody else got an iPhone 6? Tamara got one. Let me ask y'all a question. When y'all got that iPhone 6, did you take out that little book that came with it and read that whole book before you turned it on? What did you do? You turned it on and started doing what? Playing with it. Now, now watch this. Watch because this is how it works. I can take Angel, and I can take Chris, and I can take Tamara. I could send them out in that hallway in 10 minutes. And in 10 minutes, my instruction will be, I want each one of you to show the other person the neatest thing you know about your iPhone 6. And more than likely, each one of them will be able to show the other person something they didn't know. You know why? Because they didn't read the manual. So what happens is, is that we look at people and we say, oh, my God, Pastor Sean's got this awesome faith. She just read the manual. Oh, my God, Angel has this ability to connect with people and believe it. She just read the manual. Oh, my God, I can't believe Bruce is able to do so and so and so. Well, he just read the manual. If you read it, watch this. In Angel's manual, in Chris's manual, in Tamara's manual, they don't have different things. Come on. That's good. No, 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 no. They weren't in China talking about, oh, this is going to Angel. <laughs> we ain't going to tell her how to do this. Oh, and Chris, we got, we got to show enough hide this from Chris. Everything you need to know is in the Word of God. But you got to read the manual. If you just rely on somebody else showing you every now and then, they're going to show you, thank you, what's most important to them. 
That's the reason people get on these dogma trips, because something's important to them, and now they want to show everybody what's important to them. But the reality of it is, is the Word of God is designed to make us live total, complete lives. Here's the thing. Chris, as smart as she is, Angel, as smart as she is, and Tamara, as smart as she is, is not using that iPhone 6 to its maximum potential. They're just not. Because you can't use a thing to its maximum potential unless you interact with the manufacturer of the thing. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you did not make yourself. So you need to be dealing and interacting with the manufacturer of yourself, which is God. Because he can teach you things about you that you didn't even know because you ain't read the manual. That's what faith does. Faith shows you who you are at a level higher than where you currently live. Seven, $800 devices. You ain't read the manual. No, I'm serious. I, I'm talking about myself. The only thing... I do on this is read my notes when I preach to you. I get home, I charge it, I lay it down by the bed. That's all it does. And then I got fancy a week ago. And bought me a case. <laughs> and for a week, didn't know how to Bluetooth the thing. Because why? I got it, but I didn't what? manual and when you don't read the manual you don't use things to their maximum potential so God has given you this thing called a measure of faith but you ain't read the manual so you don't use your faith to your maximum potential but I'm telling you God he's on something here he is preparing us okay understand here is the truth every born again Christian already has the same quality and the same quantity of faith that Jesus has. And, and that may be hard for you to believe, but I'm telling you, you have the same quality and the same quantity that Jesus has. Let's take a look at Ephesians 2 and 8. I don't know if y'all can pull that up on the screen. Ephesians 2 and 8. My God. Say, I am, I am. saved, saved. By, faith. by faith. He says, for by grace are you what? Saved. This word saved here is translated in the Greek as the same word that means delivered. Okay? So, so when we say saved, we don't just mean, oh, I ain't going to hell. It says, for by grace are you delivered. Okay? You can be delivered from lots of things. It says, through what? Faith. So if I smoke and I want to stop smoking, willpower ain't going to be enough. If I'm addicted to something, and it could be spending. It could be, I could be addicted to, to having a bad attitude. The only way to get out of it is through what? Faith. Because it is by grace that I am delivered, but I'm delivered through faith. Hear me say, it takes faith, it takes faith to, get to get everything that you need. That you need. It does. It does. Now, don't get me wrong. You'd be like, well, Pastor, uh, I didn't have faith when, when I went and bought my car. Yeah, because you just did that in your own natural sense. I'm talking... Faith is not about getting stuff you can see. Let me help you. If a car costs $40,000 and you got 60, you don't need faith. You just need to know how to write a check. That's it. What you need faith for is when you buy that car and then you lose your job. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you bought the car, you never thought you were going to lose your job. 
But then you lose your job, and, and, and now you got to figure out how you're going to pay for everything. That's when you need faith. Because faith is, you need faith when you can't see. You don't need faith when you can see. So, so what happens is, is that the Lord uses opportunities to teach us to develop our faith so that when a crisis come, you don't give in to the crises. Look, if you own, if you never, I had a, I had a conversation with the pastor one time. It was, he was so um, transparent with me that it really blessed me. Here's what he said to me. We were getting ready to, to, to think about starting a church up here. And he says, I really admire what you're about to do. And I was like, well, why is that? He said, because you're setting out to do something that you have no, 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 no actual sight for. You don't know that anybody besides your family is going to actually show up. <laughs> because there's a lot of people doing the weekend. Oh, man, I'm be there Sunday. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. But, but, but folks sometimes come, sometimes they don't come. I know they coming because she's going to support me, and I'm going to make the kids come. So I'm guaranteed seven, six chairs, okay? I'm guaranteed. So, so here's what happens. He said to me, he said, when I, he said, I've been pastoring at the time. He said, I've been pastoring for 15 years. He said, I got called to this church. And for some of y'all who grew up Baptist, you know what that means. I didn't know. He explained it to me. It means he went and preached. He, you know, whatever. They said, hey, we want you to be the pastor. As long as you don't do nothing that's crazy and we, don't, we want you, you can pastor here. So he came and he pastored. He said, for 15 years, everything we did, he said, I never had to believe God for it. I said, what do you mean you didn't have to believe God for it? He said, because when we wanted to build a new building, he said, we had the money, so we built it. He said, we wanted a new children's facility, we had the money, so we built it. He said, and then all of a sudden, he said, the economy hit, and everybody in the church who used to have all this money, used to give all this money, didn't have the money no more. He said, and then we didn't have enough money to pay our bills. He said, and I'm telling you, I almost lost my mind because I didn't know how to believe God. And you can live your life, especially in northwest Arkansas, so well that you never use your faith. Because you got, you, I, I call them dinks, double income, no kids. You got two kids. You got, you got two folks working, they ain't got no kids. They got all the money they want. And that's great. But what happens when the, when the economy changes? What happens when sickness comes? What happens when, 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 when something comes and tears the relationship apart? You've got to have something more than your ability to handle it in your own, natural, your own natural senses. And that's the reason that we tell people, you got to come to church, and it's got to be like school. You've got to find out what this word says, and you've got to put it in your heart, and you've got to meditate on it. You can't just think about it when you're sitting in here and go, oh, that sounds so good. You've got to spend some time. You gotta, I've said to you today, watch this. I've said to you today that you have the same faith that Jesus has. Your chore or your challenge this week ought to go through the word of God and find every place in there that agrees with that. That's your homework. Your homework is to go home and go, ooh, we had a good time at church. No, that's not your homework. Your homework is to say, you know what? Pastor Edwin said that I have the same faith that Jesus has. Where does the Bible say that? Because if you will search it out in the scriptures, you will find that what I'm saying is right. But there's nothing better than when you know it. That's why we tell you to bring your Bibles to church. That's why we tell you to, you know, don't just go to church and listen to folks just say stuff to you that sounds good. Because if you can orotate a little bit, uh, you, you can do pretty good. Amen? Titus 2.11. Let's look at Titus 2.11. I'm almost done. Titus 2.11. Titus 2.11 says this. It says, for the grace of God has been revealed 
bringing salvation, and that word salvation again is deliverance to all people. Titus 2.11, it says, for the grace of God has been revealed. So what is God's grace? The grace of God that's been revealed to you is that you don't have a lesser faith. Say, I do not have some watered down, lukewarm faith. Say, my faith is equal in quantity and quality to the measure that Jesus had. I'm telling you, man, that's, and that's what you got to hold on to. If you can hold on to that, I'm telling you, it will absolutely bless your life. Here's, here's, what, here's how our human faith works. How many of you get, have gotten on an airplane in the last year? Been in the airplane last year, okay? On the airplane in the last year. Do you know how much faith it took for you to get on that airplane? Because what you had to do, even if you didn't realize it, you had to say, I am putting my faith in a law that will supersede another natural law. Because the natural law of gravity says anything that goes up, okay? So you put your body along with another hundred and some people on a plane, okay? You're going to take this multi-ton engineering feat to go 212 miles an hour down a runway to send you up in the air and keep you up there for hours at a time and then bring you down safely somewhere else. When the law of gravity is working on you the whole time, because you up in that plane and you sitting back with your little uh, cookies and peanuts and, and your little Coke and whatever they give you, and, and you just chilling. But gravity is trying to make you crash. Y'all like, Pastor Edwin, I got to fly tomorrow. Stop this. No, 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 listen. Gravity is grabbing onto that plane. And gravity's job is to bring that plane down as fast as it can. How do I know? Because if you get up on top of this building and you jump off, gravity is going to pull you down as fast as it can. But you say, you know what? I got faith. So I'm going to get on this plane. And what you're putting your faith in is not really so much God. What you're putting your faith in is the law of thrift, is the law of thrust and lift. Because the law of thrust and lift says that if you have enough thrust, and you have enough lift, then you can supersede gravity. That's how planes fly. Get, the next time you get on the plane, before you conk out, get that little thing out the back of the seat, open it up, and look at the kind of plane you're on. It'll tell you how much thrust is in the engines of that plane. Why do they tell you that? Because you need to know how much thrust that plane can produce before you get in it. Because if you don't, and you get in there, and it's not enough thrust, and it's not enough lift, when you go up, you will. Mm -hmm. So here's what we do in the natural. Here's what you got to do in the spirit realm. The spirit realm, you have something called the devil. And his job is to bring you down as quick and as fast as he can. That's his job. But faith says... I don't really focus on gravity, or I don't focus on the devil. I put my focus on another law. It's called the law of the spirit of life 
in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus says it has the ability to keep me above everything the devil's trying to do. So even though you're going to work, even though you're taking care of your kids, even though you're doing everything you're supposed to do, you come into church, you participate, don't you forget for a moment that you still have a law, a devil trying to pull you down as quick and fast as he can. And if you let your faith go, it's like cutting the engines off the plane. If you let your faith go, it is equivalent to cutting the engine off the plane. If you cut the engines off the plane, the plane will stay in the air, but only for so long. Because eventually it's going to lose momentum. That's why you see people who do real well, and they kind of walk away from God a little bit. Stuff's still going good in their life. They floating. Engines cut off. They gliding. They ain't even thinking about it. They ain't even thinking about the law. Next thing you know, boom, they crash and burn. Now it's like, Jesus, where were you? He's like, I was back there, but you cut me off. <laughs> now, watch this. You may be in a situation where you're gliding right now. God's been talking to you about trusting him, about believing in him, about, about knowing he'll do it for you, and you just gliding and gliding. You ain't hit the ground yet. Guess what? Today is your day to cut the engines back on. Because if you flip the engines back on, that law that kept, you, uh, that kept you in the air at first will begin to work on your behalf again. So there are some of you here this morning, and you've been really, really You've been struggling because you know that you're supposed to be believing and trusting God for more, but you've been trying to do all this work yourself, and you've known that you're just gliding down further and further. I'm challenging you today that today ought to be the day that you say, you know what? I'm cutting engines back on. What does that mean? That means I'm reconnecting my faith. That means I'm going to get back into just trusting and believing God. The Bible calls it childlike faith. You... Some of you have kids, you have nieces, nephews, cousins. You ever tell a little kid you're going to do something for them? Like you say, you know what? If you just stop, you just stop talking, I'm, I'm going to take you to McDonald's. Okay? Okay? Faith for that little kid says they already there. No, no, no. You don't understand. You don't understand. The question is not, are you really going to take me? It's when is this going to happen? And in fact, I so anticipate it, I can't stop talking about it. I'll never forget the prime example that happened to me is when Taylor was little. And I told Taylor, I said, if you ask me one more time, I ain't going to do it. Now stop asking me. And she hopped away, and about 10 minutes, she came back and she stood. I said, what? She went, mm, 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 mm. I started laughing so hard because she did. She, her faith was working on her. She was like, I know we're going to do this, but I can't say nothing because I don't want to undo what I know is about to happen. Sometimes you ought to get that same kind of tenacity about what God has asked you to do, about what God's going to do in your life. It should be like, oh, God said he was going to do this. I'm so anticipating it. It's like I, I, it's not about if it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I'm just, I'm just with bated breath waiting for it to happen telling you it's time to cut the engines back on. And when you cut the engines back on, I'm telling you, your life will take a whole new direction. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. neighbor. Say, the measure, of faith the measure of faith 
that God gave Jesus is the same measure of faith that operates in you right now. Now come on and give the Lord some praise this morning. I'm telling you, we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about this and really getting into this deeply, but I'm telling you, when I began to read, I'm, I'm going to study some more this week, but when I went back to Genesis, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to read Genesis 1 again. And you have to be careful when the Lord asks you to do something that you've done before because what we tend to think is, well, why do I need to do that? Well, God is smarter than you. So if God asks you to read something again, it's because you didn't get something the first time. And so I went back, and when I read that and I saw that he created light before there was a source, he said to me, he said, now what is it that you think I can't do for Fellowship of Kansas? He says, what, 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 what is it that you think I can't do for, for, for your family? What is it that you think I can't do for your career? And really, when God begins to ask you questions like that, the reality of it is you just have to say, you know what, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry I didn't believe. Like I, was, I, I repent. I, I, you're right. There's nothing too hard for God. And when you begin to understand that, man, it reinvigorates your life. And you begin to understand that God can do any and everything he said he could. Amen? Amen. God bless you.